everybody so welcome to episode 50 of the bolt from the blue podcast i have got a full house of great gentlemen here i have got Presswitch blue i have got ray and andy from man city fan tv and we're ready to get into it we've got two filthy one nil wins and i think we're going to start with the latest of them against bournemouth but before that let's boil a little bit of urine Klopp was going off about the wind, about the ball boy. Let's start off with Ray. Ray, what on earth was Klopp talking about the wind again? Klopp's really lost it uh, today. I mean, he's blamed the wind again. You know, the Liverpool fans were going berserk in the uh, away end, the Everton fans. There's none of these. You know, we, we uh, sit side by side with the red and blues. Uh, he had the Everton fan singing Blue Moon. He's, and he says some really daft things if you watch Match of the Day tonight. Um, you know, he said, who wants to be top at the beginning of March? Um, and he's also said a, a cracker here. He said, I watched Match of the Day and saw the celebrations of Man City. They had 900 chances and scored one goal, a shot with the wrong foot. And he seems to forget, was it last season they had a celebration after after they drew two all with West Brom, where they went over there and, you know, uh, bowed down before their fans. So he's, he, it seems to be um, his uh, Kevin Keegan moment has been building and building, and it seems to be all uh, pouring out today. Mm-hmm. Andy, that's pretty ironic, isn't it? Because as Marco Silva pointed out, I mean, they celebrated like they won the, the World Cup when, uh, when they got that fluky 1-0 win over Everton earlier in the season wasn't it that's just the nature of the club i think um it's the way they are uh, and yeah i agree with ray you know listening to and reading some of his comments after the game um yeah it's uh, the pressure's clearly getting to them because you don't get many managers coming out he, he did it to, like i said ray said he did it to silver didn't he you know saying about his celebrations and things like that when they've done it before they're just they're a hypocritical club, not only, you know, their manager, their players, but the fans as well. We know it. That's the way they are. Presswich Blue, how hard is it for the rest of the league to accept the possibility of Liverpool winning this league? Because I, I really do believe that uh, all uh, Premier League clubs are united in the hatred of that cult. Um, I think you've got some very interesting things to say about that because it is a cult, Colin, isn't it? Oh, I've often had this conversation with um, Rob, who I go to the games with. He's um, his partner, fiance, is um, from a Liverpool supporting family, and Rob uh, always has some interesting things to say about Liverpool fans. And he is quite insistent they are they really are equivalent to a religious cult. And it's almost like all these people. Obviously, they've got a wide fan base, but it's like they need to belong to a family. Uh, and perhaps I, I don't be too insulting about some of the things. Oh no, you um, can be as insulting as you like. No, me. no, no. <laughs> well, he thinks they kind of got, some of them have got like, 
like mental health issues, you know, like people who join cults. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, but but it, but there, it is like that, isn't it? And they are like a little bit like that. It's uh, everyone follows the party line, and um, you know, ev- everything is. You know, they've got this leader, and everything he says they take as gospel, and you know nothing can ever be wrong, and, and they're always they're always right, and you know no one else can ever be right, and, and it's this whole and it's interesting what Raheem Sterling said, isn't it? Which was mocked by a few people, but he said he didn't feel the same pressure, doesn't feel the same pressure here at City as he did when he was at Liverpool. Is that because we? That. Is that because we win things? Well, no, that, he played in that 2013-14 uh, team that, that chased us for the title. And, and, and the level of the fans' expectation is so high. Uh, you know, this, this, this insane kind of, you know, it's like the coming of the Messiah, the greeting of the coach, the hysteria around that. Uh, uh, and we're just in the pub and we wander into the ground and we sit, we stand in City Square and have a have a pint and watch what's going on on the stage or have a chat. And we just wander into the ground and they're there, you know, two hours before with the flares and the flags. And, and you can't help but put a weight of expectation on the players when you see that. Andy, how perfect a manager is Klopp? for Liverpool because he seems to be he basically seems to be a mouthpiece for the Anfield rap he seems to be saying everything that they're saying and it's unbelievable isn't it Klopp for Liverpool and Liverpool for Klopp I think I think they're absolutely suited um together because to say that imagine you saying that um if you look at Brendan Rodgers he did the same thing he bought into this hysteria that that Colin was talking about and so is it does it come from the club does it come from the fans i don't know where it comes from uh, but uh, i think Klopp's certainly taken it to the next level uh, with regards to this this hysteria this cult cultism uh, that that they, these managers seem to buy into and I, and i think honestly a lot of it is recently over the last what 10 15 oh well let's say 14 years since they won the, the you know the istanbul final um they buy into it. I think a lot of it is out of desperation. It's like a, another way of trying to rouse some sort of, you know, pressure on the opposition, be that us, Chelsea, United, whoever uh, it may be. Uh, and I think, I, I think they just buy into it too much. And I agree when, when Sterling said about the, if, you know, he felt that pressure, it must build within, within the club itself. It certainly does within the fan base. Um, and it creates this sort of, delusional outlook uh, on things instead of being realistic uh, and about where they are and they're doing really really well uh, this season but uh, it just creates mass hysteria uh, and that can mm. only add pressure because you've seen the likes of Lovren and others come out claiming he's claimed to be in the top five defenders in world football I mean <laughs> if that's one of your footballers coming out who's absolutely garbage coming out claiming he's one of the you know top five footballers in world football then what does that say about the club itself you, you, you think Jurgen Klopp would pull him to one side and say what are you talking about is he the top five defenders at Liverpool I mean I could <laughs> Probably need no, no. <laughs> I, I think everybody Ray is possibly alluding to that uh, uh, that comment that that comment when uh, they talked about whether Ringo was the best drummer in the world. And I think it was possibly John Lennon said that he wasn't even the best drummer in the Beatles. Yeah. Um, but uh, Ray, I'm, Ray, I'm just going to ask you to talk about this because there wasn't the same. I mean, Chelsea hadn't won anything before Mourinho. City hadn't won anything in a long time before Mancini. But I don't remember anything like that happening at either of those two clubs these guys and guys they, they, they've got the media on the side their side because i yeah. don't know if you saw the tweet i put it up it was by the bbc 
It was in the last couple of minutes in the game, and it said that the score was nil-nil, but it said that champions win in the last minutes. I was thinking, this is the BBC, for goodness sake. Have they lost all sense of perspective? I, I was going to say, I mean, uh, I'm not sure cults is quite the right word to describe that fan base. It's, it's pretty close. Um, but the media on the side, you've got Graeme Souness. I mean, if you watched it on Sky, you got great. Was it Graeme Souness in the in the studio? I, post, I posted it on Twitter, the video. Yeah, there. and uh, um, was it Carragher as well? And they're boiling, and they're, they're you know you can see their frustration. Um, and all the red media, you, you know, you've got who else have you got? You got Michael Owen on BT. Um, Matt everywhere, Matt Manaman, everywhere yeah, you look. Now. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, Jimmy. Used to be Mark, used to be Mark Lawrence. And- <laughs> yeah. Everywhere, everywhere you look, you know, it's it's red. Whether it's Liverpool or, or United, but it's mainly Liverpool, and it's certainly not unbiased. I mean, even uh, was it sooner said us when he was describing Liverpool? Um, okay, I mean, I. I don't take any offence at that because, I mean, look, the guy was Liverpool through and through. But, with the, you know, you, you want a un, more unbiased media and they they do um, let their guard down and, and show their hand from time to time with comments like that um, rather than being even-handed. And I still, you know, I, what was I, I was reading somewhere, it said, was it 10, on Sky, was it 10 games from greatness? Ten, so Liverpool were ten games away from greatness, and and I I, re, I responded to that by saying, well, greatness is a hundred points. Greatness is winning a hundred points. That is a deserved title, um, and Liverpool are certainly not going to get hundred points this season just by winning the league doesn't automatically make you great. You know, for City, they're asking us to win the league again and again and again. Win the Champions League, then some of these media uh, pundits will will admit that City are great. And I think it's unquestionable. Uh, it's an unquestionable fact that this the City team last year were a great team to get 100 points. Never been achieved. And I don't think even now, we, we don't get the credit we deserve. And you've got Liverpool fans saying that uh, City are not that good. And, you know... Having a go at City, we've won so many games this season, more than Liverpool. And as I said, I don't think we get the credit we deserve. Guys, something very interesting happened when I just uh, looked at my timeline and saw that uh, Mangala had signed a one-year Man City extension. Uh, yeah, yeah. Presswich Blue, Colin Savage, can I just ask you about that? Is that basically because Man City are so determined to get some money back on that guy? Uh, yeah, I guess it is. Um, I can't think of any other reason why we would have done that. If you think back to the James Milner scenario, where he wouldn't sign an extension, we had to let him go and free. That worked uh, out well for think, him, yeah, didn't it, guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, you know, we have to balance our books. You know, I think we have to be pragmatic about our transfers. So, yeah, I think um, the extension is maybe so we can get 10, 12 million, 15 million for him. And it's some money in the bank rather than letting go in a free. I, I think he owes us that, to be honest. Ray, let's talk about Bournemouth. A lot of people were expecting a cricket score. It wasn't quite that way, but City prevailed, as they always do. It was an away game. It was a valuable three points. What did you think? Well, I I certainly didn't expect a cricket score. I I think in one of my predictions um, before the game, I'd said 2-0. Because, I mean, Bournemouth had been pretty much humiliated um, by Arsenal 5-1 earlier in the week. There's, there was no way that they were going to uh, play against City in an open style, uh, attacking City, because uh, quite rightly, they'd have got ripped to pieces. I mean, they've lost all their previous seven ga- uh, Premier League games against Man City. So the Omens weren't good for uh, for them to go out and attack. And 
they just played an ultra, ultra defensive game, 5 4 1. I mean, you could see those, the back of the two lines uh, whenever they uh, you know, stopped playing and, and took a snapshot. And they were all ultra, ultra defensive. And you, you'll, you know, you, I'm sure you'll go through the stats, but 18% possession at home in a Premier League game is pretty appalling. No shots. You know, on target or off target is pretty, pretty poor. So, you know, I think their game plan was quite obvious and it was just to hang in there. And then you could see in the last 10 minutes or so, they threw some uh, forwards on and hoped to, you know, pick up some scraps and get a lucky draw out of the game, which they wouldn't have deserved. Uh, but you still had people out there saying Bournemouth deserves something from the game, which is uh, absolutely ludicrous and probably from the red media agenda again, um, having a pop at City. I'm just going to bring in Andy Turner here. Andy, looking at the lineup, we've got Ederson, Walker, Stones, Odomendi, Zinchenko, De Bruyne, Gundogan, Silva, Bernardo Silva, Aguero, Sterling. Zinchenko has been the, the, the focus for a lot of City fans. What on earth has happened to him? He seems to be someone who has lifted his game to, to new levels, Andy. He's took his chance. He's basically, as you know, we sometimes get into some debates with sort of, uh, let's call them Mara's fanboys on our channel. Uh, and these are only a few. They're, they are the minority. Um, however, people say, and, and debates on Twitter as well, even with City fans. And it seems certainly, if we talk about Sinchenko in particular, uh, and I'm sure we'll come on to Mara's at some point. Um, and I'm not raising this as, as some sort of agenda. I'm just trying to compare the two. Uh, to try and give some sort of objectivity within the discussion. And the fact is, you get some City fans on Twitter, if you say anything, suddenly you're a hater. And that is not it. We're critiquing. And you get the argument, well, he's not played. He needs more game time. He's not played since the 30th of December, somebody said. So I went back and I looked and I, and I said, you're right, absolutely. But neither did Zinchenko play for City till the 6-0 win at Chelsea. Both played in cup competitions, him and Mahrez, but Zinchenko was basically dropped from the team from the 30th of December onwards until the Chelsea 6-0 game. Uh, because there was the speculation over Wolves and the transfer to Wolves and things like that. And would he go out on loan and et cetera, et cetera. And he basically said to Pep, no, I want to stay and I want to fight for my place. But because of the whole January transfer window came around, I don't think they wanted to risk him just in case something happened in, in that window where he could go on loan or... He was sold to the Wolves. So he was literally dropped from the team. And the comments made by Pep in particular when he turned around and said, you know, his attitude has been absolutely exemplary. You know, he's come in when he's not been involved at all in the squad or the squad, you know, for match days. He's still smiling. He's still integrating. He's still showing a positive attitude. And what he's basically done is he's came into that game when we won Chelsea 6-0 and he took his opportunity to show Pep exactly what he was made of. And since then, he's, he's, he's kept his place and he's just been, he's, he's been, it's like the, it's like last season with Delft moving Delft to left back. You know, we're saying that we said the same things about Delft last year, great attitude, slotted in well. And this is, this isn't his position. Um, he's been absolutely wonderful. Now, there are going to be occasions because he's not a natural left back where he does get caught out of positions. But then so does Walker, so does Danilo, so does Vinny Company, so does Laporte. Laporte got caught out a few weeks ago in three or four times. So it's bound to happen. But he's just stepped up, took his opportunity and has been absolutely exceptional. 
Uh, Colin Savage, Zinchenko has done a little bit better than what some City supporters were clamouring for Delft, but we do remember that Delft was responsible for two goals, one in in, in Europe that we, we know all about whenever he misjudged the flight of a ball. But uh, Zinchenko has really come into his own, hasn't he? Yeah, I think Andy's nailed it. I mean, he's had the chance to... Uh, leave uh, and presumably if he left to go to somewhere like Wolves he'd be playing a lot more regularly probably be playing in his favoured position which is more attacking midfield uh, but he's turned it down he said I'm going to fight for my place and, and it, it's very similar to what Fabian Delft did you know he said I, he could have left was it not last summer the summer before I'm going to stay and fight for my place and, and, and he's, he's undroppable now um, you know <laughs> I would argue about that. He's been dropped. He's been left out of the squad, Fabian Delph, ever since he got sent off. No, I mean, Sinchenko. Uh, no, I think Sinchenko. Oh, sorry, Sinchenko. Sorry. Sinchenko, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but Fabian Delph did the same thing, didn't he? He made yeah. himself undroppable. And, and then, yeah, his yeah. Perform- then he, his performance did drop off a little bit. But, but, um, Sinchenko's been a revelation because I, I think what he gives us, I, when you look over to the other side, you've got Carl Walker or Danilo. Neither of that, gr- neither of that great at getting forward. But because Sinchenko is an attacking midfielder, he's got a pass in him, you know, and, he, and he's got an eye for a pass. He's got an eye for an opportunity, which, which as pure defenders, Walker and Danilo don't have. And I think, I think that's, that's what a, sets him apart. That, that's a really good point there, Colin, because you said about the fact of when he goes forward, he is an, a natural attacking left-sided player. Now, he, against Bournemouth, he put two crosses in that. If that was Ben Mendy, everyone would be going mental. They'd be going, oh, what? Look at that. Amazing. Nobody was on the end of it. You know, neither Sterling, I think, or Aguero could get on the end of the cross. I think the defender just got a touch to it and it went out for a corner. They're the type of crosses that Mendy was was doing when he took the opportunity. Yeah. But Zinchenko is naturally, that's, you know, when he gets in, in that final third, he's got a brilliant left foot, a really, really good left foot. He does move into, yeah, he does move into midfield. And basically, he's playing. He's although he's on the field as a left fullback, he does play as an attacking midfielder sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ray, one, sorry, Ray. One thing that was very interesting about this game is is that we normally expect our substitutions around sixty uh, or sixty fifth minute. Now this time we actually got two very early substitutions. We got Mares coming on for De Bruyne on forty five plus two. We had Company coming on for Stones on the forty eighth minute. What? How do you sort of explain that? Well, obviously they were they were both injured. I believe that. I mean, Kev came off um, after about forty five minutes. That was a hamstring. Hit, it looked like didn't yeah, it? He made a pass and he, he straight away uh, lay down on the floor. And I sat down and uh, we we discussed it yesterday, and it, it looked like it wasn't that serious. Uh, it was he was just a little bit worried. He might. I think he stumbled before he kicked the ball, so maybe it twinged something, or maybe he was worried. Uh, apparently, he, he mentioned hamstring, but afterwards, I believe Pep said he was all right. Uh, his hamstring was fine. Um, My goodness, the Liverpool fans were celebrating that in force yeah, on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, oh yeah, they were a, a cock a hoop. And then John Stones, um, I think from the commentary, they'd said he'd, was, he'd been struggling all game uh, and he was taken off as a precaution. Uh, my feeling is I don't think that's too serious. He had an ice pack on his side, but I don't think that's too serious. And I, I, I'd say he's probably with the shout of uh, playing at the weekend if we want him to play. And so is KDB. So... Although, you know, um, they came off. And, but look, we've played so much of the season without KDB. And, and he's not playing as well as he had he did last season. So I'd rather he was on the pitch. But he's already, I think he's played seven out of the last eight games as well. So there's no harm 
getting an extra, you know, half, uh, uh, you know, 45 minutes rest rather than playing that with taking any any risks. Um, and we've got able deputies in uh, Mares and the company. So there's no fear about the, the subs bench. We've got a very strong um, bench, very strong squad. Um, so, yeah, uh, take them off as a precaution. Don't take any risks. I think the medi- I think got- the medi- I think the medical team will also be watching his uh, color chart and where he is on there because, like I said, he's played seven out of eight games coming back from major major injury. Um, so they'll be conscious of that and and they'll be in his ear, sort of saying, "Look, you you're in the orange, you're bordering close to you know. Let's don't let's be sensible about this." So I think it was a prudent move by Kevin to to not push it. Colin Savage, I'm just looking at the match stats and they are really. They're a sight for sore eyes. I mean, 82% possession, 23 shots to Bournemouth's nil, seven shots on targets to Bournemouth's nil, 14 corners to Bournemouth's nil. Does that really uh, tell you, uh, does that give you an accurate sort of description of what went on in this game? Well, uh, yes, I guess it does. I mean, Bournemouth just had, you know, all 10 outfield players behind the ball most of the time. And um, it's not what you expect from an Eddie Howe side. Uh, I was very disappointed because I'm a bit critical of Howe because he gets a great rep and people think great young manager and and you've got to be fair he's done great uh, really well to get Bournemouth to where they are they're Brendan Rodgersing him aren't they (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you look at his record against the top six. All right, they beat Chelsea, but Chelsea are going through a bit of a crisis. It's not a great one. And I think that's his level. And I was quite surprised. It's almost, um, I don't know what you, I don't know what you, how you kind of put it. It's almost as though teams are more scared, far more scared of us than they are of the other. 18 teams in, in, in the Premier League. Um, cause we saw, you know, the two games, I think we'll talk about the West Ham game, but West Ham and Bournemouth, the two, two teams you expect to play football and both of them defended for their lives. And, and, and I was a bit shocked. At, I could understand it if, it if that game, the Bournemouth game had been at the Etihad, but it was a, you know, it was in Bournemouth and, and, you, and it seems to be the pattern now that teams will defend for their lives. And even if they go one down, will carry on defending, hoping they can get a goal on the break. And one of the things that I've, I think I've noticed, and I noticed it at the League Cup final, Chelsea and West Ham and Bournemouth, and I think before that, is that um, of course Pep's famed for playing in these so-called half spaces. So getting in that space between the fullback and the and the centre back, you know, the the runner comes in as we saw against I can't remember who it was, but that wonderful goal when Zinchenko Silva played the pass to Zinchenko between the the, the fullback and, and the centre half. I can't remember was it wasn't the, the Schalke game, was that it? That could be any game so, okay. this season. <laughs> but yeah, but that, exactly, it could be any game. That that you know, that, that run or the pass or, or whatever. Um and teams are working that out and they're closing that space down, or they seem to be closing that space down. Uh, which is obviously making it harder for us. But, uh, uh, and I think one of the criticisms that I would have made about yesterday's game was uh, that we seem to be a little bit too fond of putting hopeful crosses in that weren't really going anywhere, in, instead of perhaps being a little bit more patient. Uh, because the great thing, and one of the things about uh, Mares, well, I'm, I'm glad he came on. Uh, and, you know, we, we, we've talked about him, really, but he gives you that little bit extra. You know, he'll come inside and he'll unleash a shot from 25 yards. 
Whereas we were trying to kind of work it through and, 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 and or flinging hopeful crosses in. But yeah, to, I mean, to get back to Bournemouth, I think that's the first time in Premier League history that a team has had no shot during a game. Which, you know, if you're fighting for your life in a relegation battle and you come to the Etihad, you could perhaps understand. But to, to do it at home when you're presumably fairly safe from relegation was, was perhaps a, the greatest compliment anyone could pay us because it goes completely against the grain for Eddie Howe. Andy Turner, a lot of people were uh, sort of slightly concerned about this game because you had uh, Brooks uh, and King, who looked so impressive when Bournemouth beat Chelsea. Uh, they really took uh, Chelsea to the cleaners, but uh, it didn't happen for them this game. They seemed to be denied the space. Uh, what did you think of how Bournemouth lined up and what sort of approach they, they took to this game? Well, I think it was uh, I think it was fairly evident early on, uh, within the first sort of 10 minutes or so, what their plan was. Uh, they had Josh King up front. He was the lone striker. And then there was this huge chasm, this huge gap between Josh King and their sort of nine, nine defenders, basically. And, and it, they played a five and a four, but th- those four seemed to sort of, you know, mingle in between the five and, you know, maybe one or two. And it was like they, defend, they wanted to defend sort of, I don't know, five, ten yards outside their box, make it tight. So uh, certainly our playmakers, the likes of Silver and De Bruyne, um, couldn't play those little one-twos round the back of their defenders and they were closing down space. And I, I must admit, I'll, I'll give them credit. They, I thought they defended superbly well. I thought we were wasteful uh, on occasions, um, but... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, like Colin, I was a little bit disappointed. I expected it to be an open game. Um, I really did. But then this morning, you know, Melissa Reddy was on Sunday Supplement and <laughs> one, one who's obviously a, a big Scouse fan. Um, but she actually made a good point and said, I think there's sometimes some of the managers in the league look at games at the beginning of the season and how might be one of those in particular who go, right, which games do we think we're going to lose? And which games are we going to target to get our three points from? And if we can sneak a nil-nil, if we can sneak a one-one, then that's a bonus for us. Uh, but I know it's still a bit surprised with, you know, Eddie Howe's philosophy of open football. Uh, but I think probably last week's 5-1, against Arsenal, um, may have played on his mind and thought, I don't really want to go 5-1, 5-0, or 5-1-6-7-0 if I open up against his team. Uh, but I did expect them to come out a little bit more than they did, and it was very, very comfortable. I mean, we said in our video yesterday that you give the likes of Gundogan space and you don't press him, because if you press him, he can make mistakes because he's not the quickest but you give him space and he can destroy you just as, as as easy as Fernandinho can. He's very good on the ball when he's got space. And he had all he, he just had the you know the running of the midfield. He could do whatever he wants, move wherever he wanted to, and didn't really have to do a great deal of running. So yeah, it was yeah, but, you know, I can't say it's disappointing because we won, but <laughs> you I would have expected more from a Bournemouth team, certainly, knowing that they can, you know, they're gonna beat Chelsea 4 0, you know, a couple of weeks ago. So um yeah, but a couple of standout. You said about um, was it Brooks? Uh, you mentioned. Uh, I think he got a knock in the first half um, in a tackle, and uh, I think that sort of done him in ri- literally for the rest of the game. And I think he was carrying until he went off. I think he was carrying an injury, but uh, I have to give a massive shout out to Nathan Aki. I think me and Ray said it on our player ratings video yesterday. For me, certainly, uh, Aki was uh, man of the match out of the whole game. Uh, forget City players as well. Uh, I gave him. 
I gave him a 9 out of 10. I would have given him a 10 out of 10 if it was nil-nil. But because it was 1-0 uh, to City, I gave him a 9 out of 10. I thought he was absolutely incredible. It was like Van Dyke today uh, against Everton. I thought he was absolutely brilliant in every single position. He was clearing balls. He was in the right place at the right time. His passing was superb. And I said to Ray, you know, we were talking about it. Ray said, how much How much do you think he'd be if we went in for him in the summer? I said, what, 40 million there or thereabouts? I'd take him. I really would. I, I really like him. Yeah, he looked like a young uh, Rude Hulett in, in, in that game. But we're going to bring in uh, Ray and we're going to talk about Gundogan because... Gundogan seems to be playing a little bit of a game with us, uh, yeah. with, with the whole uh, signing issue. Ray, what's your take on on uh, on Gundogan's game with the Man City board? It's a very it's a very odd um, thing he's doing. Um, obviously, we're not party to uh, obviously what contract he's been offered. Um, and it's a bit surprising actually for me that Pep's come out and said something in a press conference uh, about it and, and basically said, you know, we want him to sign, and I don't know why he's not signing. You know, uh, Gundogan has said to the press that he wants to stay. You know, it's probably been at City's. Probably the best place to be um, in Europe at the moment with the uh, squad we've, and so it is odd because he's he's only going to have a year left at the end of this season. Now, is he looking to leave? Is he looking to go out on a free? Um, obviously, City don't want that because to buy somebody. Um, of his caliber is going to set us back 40 50 million quid. I'm thinking so, Hussein Auer from, uh, from uh, Monaco must be licking his lips at this prospect. Well, you know, I mean, Pep's uh, obviously uh, intimated that he likes the guy. Um, he, we played against Monaco a couple of times and he does look a, a very good prospect. Um, but I don't know what Gundogan's doing, you know. I mean, the city board need to know as soon as possible because that's going to affect the business we do in the summer. Um, if Gundogan is not going to sign a new contract, then obviously we we, we can look at uh, offloading him and get somebody else in. Um, if he is going to sign a new contract, then please get it done uh, uh, as soon as possible so we know. So we know how many non-homegrown players we have in our squad because as you're well aware we're only allowed 17 non-homegrown players uh, in our squad of 25 now I don't know how many we've got but we must be Colin might know straight off the top of his head but we must be around 15 or 16 uh, definitely non-homegrown players now if Gundogan's going to stay we need to know that because that's going to affect who we can buy in the summer if we're looking to buy non-homegrown if he's going to leave then that opens up a slot for somebody else so these are important decisions and uh, um, we need to know as soon as possible. Obviously, you've heard the the guff again from uh, uh, Der Spiegel and, and the, the issues with FIFA uh, and us apparently, allegedly poaching uh, underage players and the potential of a transfer ban. If, and it's a big if, I still think it's a very big if, if we do get a, a, an issue with FIFA um, and we do get, a say, a Friday and say, a one-window transfer ban, it's another reason to know exactly what Gundogan's uh, ideas are, what his decision is, what his position is. And I just want him to, you know, if he wants to say, sign up with City, I can't believe we're offering him a, a poor deal to stay. You know, he might be looking for a, um, more years, a bit more money. I don't know. It might just be his agent is looking for the best for for the player and just wants a little bit more in terms of contract length or uh, or money. Can I just ask a question of you guys? Um, Gundogan will be twenty nine in October. Okay, so he'll be nearly thirty by the end of his contract if he run, runs it runs it out uh, and he doesn't. We paid nearly what, approximately twenty million quid for him. Now we've, we've got you know he's been he came on the second of June in two thousand and sixteen. So the outlay. 
nearly three years ago was twenty million pound on him, and and, he, and you know he is a, a very very good player. Um, so we've got two options: we we, we either either keep him uh, and let him run his contract down, or like say you know we try and get some money back. With a year left on his contract, realistically, Colin, can I ask you how much do you think we we would get for Gundogan in in the summer if we sold him with a year left on his contract? Uh, I, I think you'd be looking at maybe twenty million tops in this market if we could so get, do that. So getting our money back. Yeah, I just checked actually while you were talking. We are up to the seventeen foreign players under the, the Champions League rules. It's slightly different for, for the Premier League, but that includes obviously uh, Claudio Bravo. Yeah. Um, and uh, Zinchenko actually just misses out on being a homegrown player by about two weeks because he was born mid-December. If he'd been born in the January, he would have qualified as a homegrown player, which is a shame. So, yeah, if we're going to bring people in, we've got to get people out. So I, I think we have to be a bit ruthless and say yeah, to I, them I, yeah, if, you're not, I, I, if you're not going to side, you're going in the summer. Well, I agree. Um, or there's the option of you know running him down and letting him leave the following season and go. It was a twenty million pound investment for nearly four years. Mm-hmm. We've but, got four but, years know, out of the player. Get, if, yeah, if we're looking to get twelve, fifteen million for Mangala, then you know we should be looking to get twenty million for Gundogan because it all adds up. It's wages up the bill. Presumably, is one. I think you have to look at it from his point of view as well because he's yeah. twenty nine. There's Bernardo. We've got Kevin De Bruyne. Dav- we've probably got another couple of seasons of David Silva. Uh, so you must think, am I going to get Phil Foden? In, 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 you know, in the autumn of my career, do I want to be a starter? And, and he is a good player. And Colin, yeah. that was the question that I was going to ask you. I mean, in the words of Alan Bennett, what is his little game? Because when you think about it, you know, there are a lot of City fans wouldn't cry you a river if he was to go, given the fact that um, on so many occasions he hasn't been a, a match changer, a very, very tidy player, a very, very good player passer of the ball. Pep obviously loves him. But at the same time, Colin, we've been very loyal to uh, him through his uh, injuries. I'm not exactly sure that he should be treating us like that. Well, I mean, we don't know what's going on in the background, whether it's arguing about, uh, you know, whether whether he really wants to say, but wants to get the terms he wants. It is going to be his last payday, presumably. So maybe he wants something out of it. Um, if it's about playing time, then uh, a bit like James Milner, he should be saying, look, it's about playing time. James Milner wasn't about playing time. It was get, about getting a sign-on fee from Liverpool in the same circumstances. So, you know, if, if players behind closed doors are honest with us and say, look, you know, it's my last payday. I want a sign-in on fee from someone you know we can judge that accordingly then or i really want to be a in the last few years of my career i want to be playing most games rather than only coming in when fernandinho or someone is injured or 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 whatever yeah i think it gives us things in europe but you know this whole contract thing is a bit of a game anyway with everyone but but it helps if players are honest ray it was very interesting exactly how transparent that uh, that that Pep was on this issue. I'm sorry to, to raise this uh, name again, but I, I just wonder whether it is true the fact that so many su- the City supporters have picked up on the fact that Pep has got his eye on that guy, Auer, at, uh, at, at Monaco. And I'm just wondering whether Pep is thinking, well, you know, if that has to happen, it's not a, no big loss. 
It might be that perhaps just calling uh, Gundogan's bluff, putting it out there, it does put a bit of pressure on um, Gundogan. Um, I don't know. I don't know how ruthless Pep is going to be because you've got to remember that Gundogan was his first signing. He signed him when he was injured and we knew he was not going to play for the next six weeks or so. So Pep's got a lot of faith in him. I mean, we, is it last summer we were there were rumours that Barcelona wanted Gundogan and they were going to pay decent money for him. And so, Inter Milan as well, yeah. He's he will be a sought after player uh, if he was to leave City at the age of twenty nine in the summer, uh, most definitely. But I mean, Ray, uh, he, our our is better than Gundogan, isn't he? he? Well, that's your point of view. I mean, we we've not potential. Seen, yeah, we've not seen enough of Husum uh, uh, Hour uh, yet. I mean, we've seen him two two games against City. The odd bits and pieces of the French league I've seen, and he yes, he does look very very good. And if we got Tongi and Dumbelli as well, and got this chap as well, at least they've got a mate to come together with. Um, so it might just be Pets putting it out there, putting the pressure on uh, Gundogan to make a decision uh, sooner rather than later. We don't want to leave it to the summer because that will mess up our transfer plans. The sooner we can get uh, this uh, put to bed one way or the other, um, I think that's vital for what we're going to do in the summer. If, if Gundogan stays, potentially we won't get uh, Um If Gundogan is going to leave, then we might get him. Yeah. Yeah, because I say, we've got the 17 foreign players. It's one in, one out now. If we want a foreign player... And what's to say? What's to say? We don't know this. What's to say that behind the scenes, Pep gets him to sign a three-year extension and then puts him up Then puts him up for sale in the summer? Well, that seems to be his plan. I mean, it's certainly what he's done with uh, Mangala, although not three years. But um, it's uh, very interesting. Now, guys, we're on this game, the, the Bournemouth against Man City game. And I'm very, very glad to have uh, Andy and Ray on, on here because uh, the, the game was decided by a Marius goal. You guys are very vocal about Marius. Um, can can you talk me uh, through that goal, Andy? And um, and uh, what did you think of Marius' overall uh, contribution to this game? Oh, okay. Here we go. On the um, spot. <laughs> uh, right. Contribution wise, uh, I think. I think Ray gave him a six in our player ratings. I gave him an eight, but I gave him a six because of his contribution. Gave him a seven for his goal, an eight because it was a winner. Now, he came on, he did his same usual stuff that he does. Um, and I think, you know, and I'm only critiquing what he actually does. And that is, he gets the ball, he does one or two step overs, and then he cuts inside and he either tries to shoot, which several times was against their first defender, I think Nathan Ake on two occasions, or he plays it back. And that's all very well and good because it keeps the ball rotating. But there was one occasion, obviously, the one where Bernardo Silva went through, um, Raheem Sterling went through, uh, chested it past, came out. Now, you would think somebody who's got such a wonderfully cultured left foot, it was on his left foot, so it it wasn't on his right foot. He's 25 yards from goal. He's got a defender trying to run back into an open net. Wasn't even on target. It was 80 yards in the air. I mean, (laughs) he was leaning back. His technique was terrible. And any player, it could have been any player with that technique, you'd go, that's really poor technique. Um, But that, you know, at that point in the game, obviously, uh, that was a really important time. And then we had uh, a wonderful move by Zinchenko and David Silva. And Mahrez had to be in the right place at the right time, and he was. Uh, So you've got to give him credit for being there. A nice little pass through. And, uh, you know, on his right foot, hits it. Not with a lot of power, and keeper seemed to dive to his right, stick his left leg out because he's overbalanced, and he scores. I mean, you know, we'll take anything. We said before the game, anything that came off Aguero's backside, we'll take it. Three points are all that matters. So I was really pleased, and hopefully that will give him the confidence. But then again, 
you had the, the cross that came over and the header. I mean, he was, what, four or five yards out and he headed it straight at one of their defenders. Um, right cleared the off the line. Yeah, the keeper, sorry. Um, and you're just thinking that, that period in the game, 1-0, where you just think they could quite easily get a free kick 25 yards out. Like, anything could happen. Um, but I'm pleased for him. I'm really, really pleased for him. And, and in respect of a hope, it really gives him the confidence and... He actually starts believing in himself because he hasn't looked like he believes in himself. And uh, that's been the big problem. And we're not hating on him. We're just critiquing his performance. We critiqued David Silva saying he's lately he's been poor uh, or average compared to him. We've critiqued Kevin De Bruyne. We've, I critiqued Aimer at Laporte the other week, who I thought had a really poor game when he was brought off. Ultimately, he was injured. Um, Zinchenko when he's had a bad game you know so we're only saying what we see you know when we go to the games and we see see them we're critiquing them but if you, it's almost like sometimes you say something about one player and you include Mares in it because he had a poor game or what suddenly nobody everyone forgets about what you've said about Laporte or Stones or whoever Walker we've, we've given criticism to everyone jumps on oh you're a Mares hater and I'm going no we're simply just critiquing the game and if Mares names come comes up it comes up and i'm certainly not going to stop doing it if people don't like it don't follow us don't watch the videos don't follow me on twitter don't don't comment below i'm not bothered i am not going to stop making objective comments about it it's as simple as that and i'm not going to apologize to anybody not not one single person um because if you watch the videos about that we do you know, we did the Mara's watch, but that was all tongue in cheek against the people that we that were very abusive towards us on the video. It was that was all it was, and we stopped it because there was no no point in it. So, I'm really pleased for Mara's. I just hope it gives him the confidence because what he's got to do now is what Sinchenko's done: take that opportunity against um, Chelsea when we won six nil, then took his chance at Wembley, then he's took his chance again, and he's you know he's he's now he's improving game on game. And Mares, if he gets the next opportunity, even if he's dropped against Watford, the next time he comes in, he's got to still take that opportunity. He can't sort of go, you know, back to you know square one again. He's got to keep, and I know games always help and assist, but he's got to just keep this positivity, and he can't keep. Letting himself down, um, all his Algerian fans and City fans and everything else, It's he's just got to do it. It's that simple. He's, he's, he's 28 years of age. He's got 162 Premier League appearances. He's not a kid anymore. He's played in the Premier League for four or five years. He's been a Premier League title winner. He's been Premier League Player of the Year. There's no excuses for, I don't believe, new system, new, you know, this and that. He's, he, he should be, he should be at the age, he's, development level where he is now where he, he should be able to adapt now i do agree and i've said it on all the videos that i've done about Mares that i don't think he's a wide touchline winger i don't think he is um because he hasn't got that pace that sterling i don't even think he's got the trickery and movement that bernardo silva has interesting um, andy where where would you play him I, I've said all along, I would really like to see an opportunity, and this is the difficulty in our squad, for him to play in that 10 role. You know, maybe a little bit deeper where he's got an opportunity to run and right. the game because his close control is exceptional. He's got oh, a beautiful. wonderful, Absolutely oh, wonderful beautiful. first touch. Um, so I think if he got into the game more, rather than staying out wide, and I know there's the argument to say, well, he's left footy, why not play him on the left? But... He hasn't, I don't think he's got the pace, um, really. And then we're losing a little bit from one side. So I don't know. I just, I would really, really love Pep in one game, whether it be Swansea 
to play him in that sort of 10 role or something like that, just to see what he does. Um, because you know how he can beat a player wide, but then he's not at a real shooting angle where if he can, you know, shimmy one way to the right, step inside on the edge of the D, he's right in the centre of the goal. He might he might not hit it five yards wide like he tends to or 10 yards over the bar. You just never know. So I do feel sorry for him, but I'm, not, I'm certainly not going to stop. Let me, let me just bring in uh, Colin I mean, Savage here. Colin, um, City fans are desperate for this guy to do well. He's got a delicious first touch. And I don't know if you remember... Uh, I think it was a couple of seasons ago where um, he set up a goal for Albright and the ball came over and he dinked it on the side of his foot into the path of, of, of I think it was Albright. And people were absolutely purring about it. That was absolutely Vardy, beautiful. It was, it was Vardy's was goal. It Var- was it, was it, it Vardy? Was Vardy's I, 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 yeah. I beg your pardon. But, but, uh, but guys, you, you'll remember that. It was just such a sumptuous well, little yeah, aside, wasn't it? I agree. Absolutely in agreement with what Andy said about playing a bit deep a little bit more central because I think he's got that skill set and we're not relying on his pace. Where I would disagree with Andy, and perhaps Mares should change his name to Marmite rather than Mares because he seemed to he seems to be one of those, just thought of that, uh, he seems to be one of those players, doesn't he? Um, well done, Colin, well done. <laughs> and um, I, I sort of, so where I would disagree with Andy slightly is I was thinking back, I was trying to come think back to my experience of, of school. I was at my primary school as one of the top dogs. You know, confidence was high. Went to grammar school, and all of a sudden, I was a little fish in a big pond, and and that does hit your confidence. And then, you know, after a couple of years, uh, I found it again. You know, I found my pegs, did really well, and and I think. You know, when you come into this, I think there's two levels here. You, you, you go from a, a Leicester type um, seventh to tenth type T, which is where they should be, into a Manchester City. It's always going to be a lot harder. And I think if you're coming into a Pep Manchester City, uh, there's a lot to learn. And, and we've seen this so many times where a player comes in his first season, he, he's finding his feet a bit, he's floundering. Bernardo last season, well, you know, wasn't spectacular. Uh, even even it wasn't a pet. Pet wasn't the manager. David Silva struggled in his first season. Yeah, I think so, I might, so, I'll counter that by turning around and again. I've had this discussion on Twitter. You know, Gabriel Jesus was 18 when he came into Manchester City from Palmeiras. Um, Leroy Sané was 19. Bernardo Silva was 21. They came over from foreign leagues into the Premier League. Never ever experienced the Premier League, which is completely different to any other league. Riyad Mahrez has had but, but five Leicester, years. Of- Leicester are completely different to Man. To the city, um, and, and I think everything but, I've but heard. Mara's, about Pep, but Mara's knew that before he joined Man City. Well, yeah, I, but I, I still think you're going from a, a very set system Leicester play to this very complex system that Pep Guardiola plays. You know, it's not about hoofing the ball. I, 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 I totally agree you know, with you there. But on the wing, what is complex about yeah. the position where it plays I think, now? Well, what is complex well, it's about not it? Just about, it's not just about being on the wing. There. I, mean, I think he had a lot of freedom of action at Leicester. But I think it's not just about being on the wing with a Pep team. You've got to learn. The whole thing about Pep is everyone knows where everyone else is going to be uh, and what they're going to do. You have to be very self-sacrificial, got, don't you? I don't think he's quite understood that yet. And I'm seeing a little bit more now that he's not just doing this step inside and try and have a shot. He has, the last few games, thrown in something a little bit different into the mix. But I still I still think, um, given 
the, the little time, given it was a World Cup year, the squad had very little time together before the game. Uh, if you talk to people, they say, actually, during the season, the sort of schedule we've got, there is no time for training. It's all light stuff. And I think he will benefit, hopefully, what, what, what I want to see is that he will benefit from a close season where we don't have a World Cup and Pep can work with the players properly. We'll see. Yeah. If he doesn't take the chance next season, then I think we've got problems. Yeah. I mean, I'll start off. I want to commend uh, Colin for being able to recall 70 years back to his childhood. Well done, mate. <laughs> um, I don't think Maras has helped himself because apparently behind the scenes, he's gone in to complain to Pep about his playing time. And quite honestly, I think he was one of the people that Pep was saying about Zinchenko. Zinchenko's got a smile. He doesn't complain about not playing. He's not played six, seven, eight games. He still smiles. Ray, he, that was so obviously aimed at Leroy and Mares, wasn't it? Yeah. Exactly, yeah, and yeah. I think also Mares. And Mares, from the things I've read from in the press, that he has said something, and, and Pep's not going to really like that. And and, and Mares hasn't started a league game in 2019. Now, in all honesty, I expect him to start against Schalke. Um, I expect that to happen. And if he has a decent game, then uh, against Swansea as well, if I'm right, the Swansea games after Schalke. So there's two games there that he can po- uh, quite uh, probably start and he has to influence them. I feel he's not taking risks. Um, yeah, if you see the way Sterling plays, the way Sani plays, they take risks. And I think that actually wins the fans over because the fans see them trying something. They see them trying to beat the man, come inside, go outside. When you see Sterling play, he's on the, when he's playing on the left, he doesn't just go down the wing. He'll cut inside as well, look for a chance to shoot, but he'll still go down the wing. Same with Sani. Sani will go across, um, the, the penalty area or outside, do short passes, give and go, move very quickly with David Silva, Zinchenko, whoever's um, there. And I don't think Mares does that. Mares, I mean, I, I said um, the, uh, last week that he's a bit one-dimensional. You generally know what he's going to do. And actually, when he does something different, I think it's one of the cup games, might be Burton or Rotherham, he did something different. He looked like he was going to go on the uh, back onto his inside, onto his uh, left foot. And then he changed, changed and went onto his right foot. And he left the player for dead. He was on the practically yeah. on the floor. So Maras did something different. No one was expecting it. And I'm thinking, do that again, mate. Do that regularly. Or not every time, but every game, do it once or twice. And people will be fooled and you will be through. And, you know, it was disappointing that he's, he's I don't, it's, it's obviously confidence is an issue. He's not playing enough. He wants more game time. At Leicester, he was playing pretty much whenever he wanted. He could do whatever he wanted. He could make as many mistakes as he wanted. He could be as greedy as he wanted. He could shoot, dribble, do whatever he wanted. He was, as Colin said, he was a big fish in a small pond. He had that liberty to do to that. At City, he hasn't. And I think he's generally taking either the very cautious approach, laying it off too easily, or he's taking the, oh, I need to score here and let me get a chance for a shot and I'll score a goal. And he's going from one extreme to the other. And I don't think he's producing... I mean, when we saw... Bernardo come on against West Ham, for instance. I'll go back to that. It was like chalk and cheese, chalk and cheese. So Maras is, yeah, he's not taking his chance. He's got to stop being surly and stop sulking. Um, you know, when we see him, um, I don't watch that much anymore on City TV, uh, uh, you know, training and stuff like that. He does, he never looks really, really happy. Um, whereas when you see Zinchenko or Sterling or the other players, they're always messing about, you know, they're all, always up to something. They've always got a laugh and a, uh, you know, in them and a smile on their face. And Maras isn't playing with a smile on his face. I just don't think he's enjoying it. 
partly because he's not getting enough time and partly because he's not impacting uh, the games the way he would like to. Uh, guys, I'm just going to uh, bring you guys back to something that uh, Andy touched on earlier, and that is uh, Nathan Ake and his performance. Guys, is that someone that City should be looking at? I'm going to give that to uh, Colin Savage. Based on his performance yesterday, he looked very accomplished, yeah. Um, and you're looking at company in Otamendi. Uh, obviously, we've got Stones Laporte in there. Yeah, there's Garcia waiting in the wings. I'm not sure how old is Ake. Ake's uh, 24. He's 24, just, uh, so perfect. Perfect age, really. When you think, you know, company in Otamendi maybe got another year each. Yeah, I mean, as Andy just, said earlier. He's just, he's just turned 24, just yeah, two weeks. Two, two, two two yeah, if you can get him for 40 million, get him. Do you fancy him, Andy? Absolutely. Uh, I've, I've watched, and we, we discussed it on our video yesterday, uh, and both me and Ray said he wasn't just good this season. Last season, he was excellent as well. Uh, he's consistent. He's just, he looks, you know, for such a young kid, you know, all, all right, you know, Stones was young and Laporte's fairly young and things like that. He just looks powerful. He looks strong. He, and it's, he's is he good enough footballing wise? His touch and his footballing brain is absolutely mm. superb. He can play out. He can play out of the back of the Man City team, no problem whatsoever. He's never panics on the ball. Um, but what impressed me more than anything yesterday was 24 years of age. He was marshalling the whole back eight. Constantly talking to them, he was he was just positionally incredible, very very positionally. It aware really helps everything. that he, it really helps that he looks like Rude Hulet, doesn't it? <laughs> he looks cool as well. I'm sure the ladies would love it. Uh, the, the the female City fans would would go mental for him. Um, but he's um, very very good player. I'm, I was just looking up some stats. I had them up on my phone, uh, but uh, he he's played 59 times now, five goals, um, yeah. uh, and and added the loan, so 69 for for Bournemouth, 24 for Watford, five for Reading. Only got seven appearances for Chelsea, but uh, he's. Uh, He's got 10 appearances already uh, for the Netherlands team with a goal. Is he uh, still I, owned by Chelsea or is he owned by Bournemouth? He's, Bournemouth. He's, gone to, he's gone to Bournemouth. Important thing about him, it is very important. He, perversely, even though he's a Dutch player, he counts as homegrown. The fact that he spent um, all that time at Chelsea on their yeah. books, um, he counts as homegrown. So that actually makes, it can make a huge difference. And if you're tossing up between a non-homegrown and a homegrown, and it, you know this can make all the difference. And if we're looking at Mattis Delict, for argument's sake, well, he doesn't. Okay, we, we get him for two, uh, one or two seasons because he's under twenty-one, and he doesn't count in any squad. But he's not going to be ho- a homegrown player in the future. Whereas Nathan Ake is. He's still young enough to develop and learn under Pep. And twenty-four is is nothing. And it's kind of the okay. Maybe you could argue at the top end of the age is what we buy the players. We're buying players around nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three-ish. That sort of age. Twenty-four is only just turned twenty-four. For, so. a, for a for a centre back, I mean, that's not. It's nothing. Yeah, I mean, got, they play play into the thirties, no problem whatsoever. Generally, yes, but he, he's ten got, years. Yeah, yeah, he's got all that potential. He does, you know, he he does look like he's got his head screwed on as well. You know, like Andy said, marshalling the defence. Okay, a couple of the defenders were kids themselves. Yeah, he's a player that we could and maybe should be looking at. He's going to be cheaper than Mattis Delict. He's homegrown. He's a good player. What's there not to like? Yeah, he was 20, 20 million, I think. 20 million Bournemouth paid for him. And I think Chelsea had inserted a buyback clause, so... Um, I'm sure they'll be keeping a close eye on him as well with some of the problems they're having at the back, you know, with Louise and, and uh, Rudiger and uh, Christensen well, and things like that. Yeah. So, 
in right general. Now, Chelsea, <laughs> right now, Chelsea have got a two-window transfer ban. So, yeah, so you know, there you go. Yeah. Uh, guys, it, 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 ju- yeah. just another thing I want to come on to is the issue of uh, the uh, the left-back and Pep has been uh, on the media and uh, pretty much admitting that, uh, that he's going to look to provide backup for Ben Mendy there. Now, I haven't seen that much of Ben Chilwell. Ray, is he really the solution, uh, do you think, or is or can City do better? But the fact is, we, we can't trust and rely on Mendy. Um, and although we've got Delph and Zinchenko who have stepped up, I think, and I, I said this uh, last season as well, I think they're helped by the fact that our attack is so, so good, oh, so yeah. important, yeah. that there usually there's not that many, much of a defensive duties to do. There's not much to do for the defenders. But is, is Chilwell the answer? I don't know. I mean, who is? I mean, until you've got... I'm them, not you sure about... Yeah. Wouldn't, 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 wouldn't Fauzi Gulam be better? I mean, you let Bravo go and, and free up a, another international space. I mean, he, he looks a player, doesn't he? He's a decent player. How old is he now? 27, 28? He's about 27, I think. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, Pep knows players better than we do um, and the Skites do. Um, I mean, they brought players in that I would have thought, what the heck's he doing with us? Like, Philippe Sandler. I would never would have... Nobody would have dreamt that we'd have gone for someone like Philippe Sandler. Not in a month of Sundays because he was not the kind of player. His background, released by Ajax, gone to... um, uh, P- was it PEC Zvol? Went to Zvol and a season there. We got him so cheap. And I, I thought at the time, you know, if he's that good, why isn't anybody else after him? We got him for, was it a couple of million quid or something? So they know a lot more than us. So if, if they think Gulam's the man and he can slot straight in, I think that's what we need. We need someone somehow to either be so good internationally that they can slot in or uh, have some experience in the Premier League. Now, Ben Chilwell has that. He's been at Leicester for a few years. He's breaking into England team. He's on an upward curve and... One of you two, Andy or Colin, will know how old he is. He's about 22 years old, something like that. 22. 22. So, you know, he might not be perfect yet, but he's got so much... Of his career, I, I, I guess. I guess, guys. I, I just wanted a player that we could call. You know, city players give city fans give their uh, their players nicknames. I just wanted someone that we could call the ghoul. I thought that was so cool. That, that, that was so cool. If, if he has a bad game, they'd be calling him ghoulies or something. So I don't think it's gonna. It's, you know, I, I don't think we should buy players just for their nicknames, Mike. <laughs> Certainly not. It's a bit like Mike Bassett, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, listen. Let, we've got, imagine Mike Long, England manager. <laughs> well, guys, let's just go back in time a little bit because uh, during the whole trip back uh, to Manchester, we didn't, uh, or both from the blue, didn't get uh, time to comment too much on the game against uh, West Ham United. Now, that was another filthy 1 0 win. The, the stuff of champions, a goal from uh, Aguero. Uh, was that game similar, uh, Andy, do you think? Yeah, it was. It was, uh, I think well, it was 76% possession, 20 shots, seven on target, and, uh, 13 corners versus, uh, sort of two shots, one on target, two corners. Um, yeah, uh, again, it was, um, I thought we played better against Bournemouth than we did against West Ham. I thought West Ham, we had those chances at the beginning and then it all went a little bit flat and the ground went a little bit flat. And then in the second half, we picked up and played a bit better, uh, certainly. Um, but again, I think Colin mentioned it earlier. You talked about crossing into the box. We were doing that an awful lot where we were playing balls to Aguero. 
And he had two massive defenders around him, and he's just thinking, why are, we, why are we playing these stupid balls? Just keep the ball and rotate it. Draw them out like we normally do, but we seem to get lulled into this pumping balls into the into the box, and it became a little frustrating, but ultimately, yeah, the, the changes made a difference, and uh, yeah, Bernardo skipped his way across the uh, the box, and whether it was a penalty or not, well, you know, it's up for, de- up for debate. Well, I think two people caught him. I mean, it wasn't a kind of sliding, take his legs no, away type no. tackle. I think there was a but, knock. But when you think about the Fernandinho penalty he gave away against Schalke, yeah. it wasn't dissimilar in some ways to that. It was soft, yeah. I think. Uh, We've but seen it was a weird it. game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, because we could have come out that game 4-5-0. We could have been 3-0 up in five minutes. Um, but we ended up winning it by contentious, maybe, penalty, which was a bit weird. I think it does come back to the point that teams, and, and again, West Ham was another one where they seemed to be able to close those half spaces we usually use so well, you know, we're not finding those spaces between um, teams in, are doing this, kind of Colin. Five, that, that's why we need yeah, Mares. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the 5 4 1, the playing, or, or a 4 5 1, and they're shutting that. That, that space between the, the fullback and the centre-back that we say we normally exploit so well, they're shutting that down. Wouldn't surprise me if we see more teams doing that towards the end of the yeah. season. They've seen I mean, that twice now, West Ham. Well, and yeah, Burnham. nothing stands still in the Premier League and, you know, you often find that. Don't, a team yeah. that develops a particular system one season will yeah. be found out the next season. Because it, 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 it was press last year, wasn't it? It was yeah. pressure yeah. and yeah. pressure and pressure. This year, it's like they may, teams may now look at it and go, it's a 4-5-1, that's what we have to play because we might get lucky. Five, four, well, if one. you look at the, the space between the Bournemouth five and the four, there was no space at all. There was no half space left. They were actually, the four were occupying the half space. So there was yeah. no way you could get in between them. And, I mean, Chelsea weren't really attacking us in the Carabao Cup final. West Ham have done it. But I think West Ham are lucky as well because, like Colin said, we had so many chances in the first five minutes. We really should have scored two of them, at least. And if we scored two, we'd have probably steamrolled them. And that's so what I I talk, Games like man. that, we need Edin Dzeko back. <laughs> get Edin well, back. Get back big man. Yeah, when things are not working, you know, we keep throwing these crosses in, but you've got five for eight Aguero, who's never going to win. <laughs> well, guys, yeah. listen to two filthy one nil wins. Uh, I absolutely love it. That's the stuff of champions. And uh, of course, we've got the League Cup under our belt now that gives us momentum going forward. One thing that was absolutely bizarre for me. Chelsea 2, Tottenham nil. Now, Tottenham, as you know, they were being touted as the team in waiting, the team that could be there, you know, for for when Liverpool or City uh, decided to uh, have a bit of a wobble. I'm just confused, Andy, about Tottenham. What I mean, what kind of team are they? They, 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 the, the, the press lord them to, to, to the rafters. They talk about Pochettino, and then they go and lose a game like that against a dysfunctional Chelsea team. What the heck is going on there? Um, right, uh, twofold. First, I think you need to give credit to um, to uh, Sari. Really? Uh, be- yeah, because I, I did um, videos for the channel with uh, opposition um, Chelsea uh, podcasters and uh, YouTubers, and we had discussions right the way back from the Community Shield, uh, set and saying that you know Sari's going to need time to adapt, and he hasn't got the players, and it's very much like what I said to them last week when I did it with the the guys from Chelsea and. Uh, and saying it's very much like Pep's first season uh, with with us, where we had Zabaleta, we had Kolarov, etc. Then they're not, they weren't, they don't fit Pep's style of play, and we needed to be playing out from the back, etc. And 
Pep said, I'm not going to change the way I play. I'm going to get the players that I need to adapt to my system. And I don't care if we win nothing, we win nothing. But I am not changing my philosophy because that philosophy is running right the way through the club, through to academy, to the women. It's running right the way through the club. And Sari's got very much the same thing. This Sari ball, or however you want to call it, he he has this philosophy and he, he won't change it. And, and you've seen signs lately that, he, we saw it at Wembley um, uh, last week, week before, uh, and we're, we're seeing it again. And when it when the players get used to it, they have got some very very good players. Um, and Tottenham are your usual bottlers. They they just oh I, I don't know I don't know what it is with them. I really I just don't understand. So what frustrating, it is. aren't they? They are very. They, they they can be exceptional on one day. I mean, play some absolute uh, right up there with us, um, and play some amazing football. And then the next game, it's like, who's this? You know, they look like Hudders- Huddersfield. It's like they're all over the place. And so I think it was one of those games. I just thought Chelsea played very well, took their chances, um, and Spurs. You know, I don't think, and it, and this is the whole thing with Pochettino. Um, when when you imagine. You imagine you're playing for Pochettino and then Pochettino turns around and says, this club won't win anything for the next 10 years because they're not good. <laughs> How would you feel if you not, were Harry Kane? Not too smart. If you were Ericsson, if you were whoever um, playing for them. You just think, really? That That's that's the tantamount ambition of our manager? That if somebody's telling us we're not going to win it? Now, he could have been saying it to try and cheer him up and whatever else, but I just I think that, that negative talk starts planting seeds and tumours within the club, and I don't think it's good for the players. And don't surprise me this summer if Harry Kane starts having a sniff around and looking at the likes of Real Madrid and others. Well, and also hopefully, I think Harry Kane is a better footballer yeah. than people give him credit for. Absolutely, he fit very well. It's what Pep says. And also, you look at Liverpool and you look at them going out of the cup so easily. Yeah. Um, and you, it, I was watching Van Dijk today and thinking. He thought he was coming to Liverpool to win things. Yeah, of course he but, did. You know, look at the players. You know, he's got Henderson, Wijnaldum, and James Milner in front of him in midfield. How's he going to? You know, how's he going to win anything in in that team? Colin, um, Walter Smith said something very, very interesting, and he said. Can you imagine that scout that was up there at the, at Celtic? And I, I think they were looking at, uh, who was the, uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah they're Dineer. looking at Denayer. How could you look at Denayer and, and be oblivious to the fact that beside him was, uh, Van Dyke? He should have come to us for goodness sake. Yeah. But Liverpool I mean, you look fan. at, I mean, off the subject slide, but you look at the way Liverpool play today. Salah seems to have gone off the boil and you wonder, has he already left Liverpool? Has his head left? Liverpool is he off in the summer because it was the classic sign new contract new contract last summer uh, with Coutinho with Suarez that was the precursor to a move has his head you know is his head playing in his new team I, I don't know but that's the thing with Liverpool you know the Suarez the Suarez is the Coutinho's the Salas uh, the Sterlings they aren't staying there I think They're one of the things to- I think one thing, one thing's also, you, you touched on the point there, Colin, with regards to easily coming out of trophies. You know, trophies yeah. are trophies are trophies. That's what players play football for. Of course, yeah. money as well. But, you know, ultimately, Harry Kane has been there and won nothing. You know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. if you're going to start playing a load of kids and taking cup competitions like the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup lightly, 
and you get knocked out, well, straight away, your chances of winning anything are down to, one, the Champions League, because you think we're not going to win the Premier League, we're out of the Carabao Cup, we're now at the FA Cup, etc., etc. We're left to try and compete against City, United, yeah. Liverpool, Barcelona, Spurs. Real Madrid. Spurs, yeah, yeah. I mean, Spurs have, ha- haven't done too badly in the Cup competitions, even though they've not won. Obviously, they've got the Carabao Cup semi-final, they got to the FA Cup final last season, was it? Was it last season? Can't remember. You know, if, you, if, if you're Harry Kane, if you're, if, if you're Salah, if you're Van Dijk, you're looking at your Champions League, you're looking at the, you know, your Premier League's La Liga titles. You want to get those medals around your neck. And I think with Spurs, the danger is that it's kind of a, they're treading a very fine line because Pochettino goes, will we get a manager as good as Pochettino, who, who is, uh, I mean, people talk about success. I mean, he's not really achieved success in the sense that we talk about winning trophies of success but he's taken that team into the top four which was some feat given that Daniel Levy doesn't spend a lot, great deal of money or, or you know you only spend what you get in which I think is naive yeah, yeah. You know, if, if someone comes calling for Pochettino, if, if someone comes calling for Harry Kane or or Son, please or, get you know, Son, please like get that. Son, so I can watch Man City more often on TV. Yeah, you know, guys. you know, what I can, yeah. you know, you know, what I but, can honestly see, I can honestly see because I, I think, I think Solskjaer would be given the job at United. Uh, I, I, I just, so I'd be very surprised if if they don't give him the job. Real Madrid looks like the destination for Pochettino, and it wouldn't surprise me if he's in the ear of Harry Kane already going. You're going to be my one signing and I'll make sure they spend 200 million quid on you mm-hmm. guys I'm looking at the table and um, it's uh, it's what it's wonderful you've... That... sorry Ray go ahead sorry just going to throw it in Spurs got to the semi-final of the FA Cup last season got beat by United that's right, the semi-final wasn't it yeah. um, the thing with Pochettino oh. It's all it's all your feeling that we all have. Everybody has different opinions and feelings about this. I think if he'd managed to fight all the way to the end for the league title, um, he might have stayed. I, I could I can see him stay. Could could have seen him staying. But now he's got beat twice. Lucky to get a draw uh, against um, Arsenal. They what ten points behind us, and they're out of the uh, the the title race. He looks like. It feels like a defeated man. The way, the what he said, what Andy said earlier, what he said in the last week could take us five to ten years to get the mentality right at this club. The players don't want to hear that, and maybe he's saying that to the players to think if he does go to Real Madrid and he comes knocking on the door of Deli Ali, he said, look, he said, look, don't you know, don't forget what I said. It'll take five or ten years for you guys to win anything here. What's the point of staying? And you can say the same to Harry Kane. I still can't see Harry Kane wanting to really leave his boyhood club this summer, new stadium and all that. I think, you know, it could be a massive um, masterstroke by Levy by totally cocking up this stadium because I think Harry Kane wants to play in the new stadium. So by not having it ready this season, they've got him for another season. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm just being silly there, but it, it, it's going to keep Harry Kane here for another season. Interesting theory. Interesting theory. Mm. Guys, I'm, I'm just looking at the table and I see those wonderful uh, five straight wins for City. Yeah. And uh, Tottenham and United are bang out of the race that you can forget about them now. But guys, um, we, 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 were, we were wondering about how we were going to beat Liverpool to the title because they don't lose. But guys, Liverpool are losing it by draws. They've had three draws in the last five. That is how they're going to lose this title, isn't it, Ray? I'm uh, just looking at the stats. In the first 20 league games of the season, Liverpool dropped six points. 
Okay, I think they, they would have drawn, was it three games, and they dropped six points. In their last nine games alone, they've drawn, uh, sorry, they've dropped 11 points. So that's four draws and a defeat, if I'm right. So in nine games, they've had four draws and a defeat. They've won only four. Now, long may that continue, if you ask me. I mean, I really wanted them to get beat today because that could have afforded us a draw in one game. Obviously, they're only one point behind us now. Um, but yeah, if you're going to keep drawing, obviously they, they're feeling the pressure. You can argue they should have beat, they could have beat an Everton. They should have beat an Everton. They had the chances. It was the wind, team. Ray. It was the wind. <laughs> wind, wind as well. You know, maybe, maybe the wind that's been knocking Salah over all season. Um, <laughs> but it, it wasn't, it wasn't in the game. It wasn't in that game. So, but definitely they're feeling the pressure. The media loving continues with Liverpool you know they've switched it around now and they're having more digs at City rather than just praising Liverpool um, look you know it's interesting to see Robertson saying all the pressure's on City now because we're ahead uh, well I thought all the pressure was on City when we were seven points behind you know <laughs> Th- that's where all, all the pressure's been on City make since. your mind up Robertson yeah. come on so I think, I think I think it shows you so far that that 2-1 victory you know on the 3rd of January yeah, could could be is so important because it, not only at that point I think they could have gone eleven points clear of City. We've ten. swung it now to ten yeah. with one one ahead. Um, so that I mean eleven points sort of swing around. So we're now one point ahead uh, of them, and I think they were a bit like us where we were almost that that we had that invincibility about us and that game since that game they have not played well they've not I mean I know they beat Watford 5-0 but, yeah, but Watford will I, I think, I think I, yeah I think I think that really knocked their air of invincibility about it and uh, I think that game could be the one come the end of the season that w- was a pivotal moment uh, okay. Yeah, how much, how important was that John Stone's clearance? That's what I was going Fingernail. Yeah. yeah. 12 millimetres. 10, yeah, 10, 12 millimetres. 12, 11 or 12 millimetres. Yeah. yeah. But but you think back, think back to Anfield. Mahrez scores that penalty. If Jordan Pickford doesn't make that last minute cock up at Anfield, we'd virtually have the title in our hands now. Mahrez, don't blame no, Mahrez no. for that. No, no, no. No. I disassociate myself from the comment made by Colin Savage about Mahrez. <laughs> 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 I mean, there's no, lots that, of what ifs, isn't there? You know, you could you, you, you could go through a lot of games and think, you know, what if? You know, the three yeah. games we've been one nil up against teams we should be beating. What one of those at home, uh, and we've thrown the game away. So yeah, cool. I, I, I'm still confident we will. Bizarrely, um, I'm confident we will still win it. Uh, and, and I have been when we were even when we were a few points behind. I was yeah. uh, still. I still felt we would win it. Saying on our video, yes. I still believe. I still yeah. think we'll win it. I still think they'll they'll slip up. I'm really confident. We've been there. Yeah. We've done. It. We've got the players who've been there and done it. They they haven't. So see, I I, I think Liverpool are, are relying on the fact that we've got a very congested uh, end to the season. You know, we've got the nine league games to go. Potentially for the three games, sorry, in the FA Cup, and potentially another is it six games, seven games in the Champions League. So there's plenty of games to go, and they're relying on that. What, what have they've got the um, the league? Okay, they haven't got the FA Cup, but they've missed out on the where well, we've had the Carabao Cup, extra rounds of the FA Cup. So we've had a few more games than them already this season, and 
momentum though you go back yeah. to the 99 you know with with united you know and they yeah. they were playing game in game out game in game and you you listen and you watch obviously i'm a yeah. city fan but you watch and, and listen to the interviews with those players at that time and they just it said it was just because there was no training and that's the thing yeah. it was it was you were ticking over you were coming in having a warm down you were doing this it was all team talks and then you're on to the next game yeah and it was just literally this momentum built and that's why I think us being in four competitions, as long as we can stay in them, will be of benefit to us. Not, I don't yeah. think it'll be a hindrance. I think as we get closer and closer and closer, that momentum will build and everybody will be on a high thinking, my God, in a couple of weeks' time, we could we could have a treble. We, we really could have a treble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that brings absolutely huge amount of sort of, you know... Confidence. O- optimism and confidence. Yeah, yeah of course it does. And it's about focus community. as well, isn't it? Of course it is, absolutely. You know, we're focusing on... on now we've won one there's another three competitions we're still in a in a good place uh, absolutely to to win and and it's about focus and desire and adrenaline and Liverpool uh, my joke Liverpool have gone off twice for this warm weather training in Dubai and you lose that and given Klopp's excuse today perhaps they should have been training um, at Stoke on a Wednesday night yeah Um, (laughs) the thing is this is the first time all season we've had seven days rest between games since yeah. August, we've been we've been really at it all. You know, it's, it's it is it's damn hard work. But come to the business end of the season, I'd rather be where we are with all these games to go. And I think it's fabulous that we got the Carabao Cup. You know, however we got that, yeah. it is in the bag. And the players know that's the stepping stone. That's the launch pad. We've already got summer. We've won something. You know, if you watched, uh, ben, I watched a little bit, only a little bit of uh, uh, Bernardo Silva on. Uh, he was on uh, Canal Foots in 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 France. Uh, I mean, he's flown out Speaks there to, to have a, yeah. And he was talking about that. And he was, you could see him is in such good spirits. He looks so fresh. You know, he's gonna act over there. Okay, we've got this period where. We have got uh, seven days break, and I suspect Pep has given them some time off. So he's done a bit of training today, gone out there. He might be back on tu- next training, might be Tuesday for argument's sake. But he, you can see him, he looks so happy talking about Mendy, always cuddling him and kissing him and all this. And you can see the, the, the camaraderie and, and the atmosphere and the mood around the club is very, very positive, very, very fun. And I think it's great. And our old back to Zinchenko, he's part of that. He's part of that fun environment. Mendy's part of that fun environment. Um, Bernardo Silva's part of that fun environment. But it's also very important to have people like David Silva and Aguero, who have been at the club for a very long time, who are more steady heads. But Finny. <laughs> Guys, that is a perfect uh, time for us to finish on because um, I've got students waiting. I've got a class from 11. 11 o'clock until 1 o'clock, so I've got to go off and get this train, but um, I think we've got to finish here, and uh, before we do as usual, we're going to uh, thank our guests so much for their insight and participation starting off with uh, Man City Fan TV, Ray, Ray, thank you so much for being on. Uh, always a pleasure, mate always a pleasure. And also, we've got Man City Fan TV, Andy, Andy thank you so much for your uh, insight and your contribution to this pod you're welcome Mike it's a pleasure it's been a while so thank you for inviting me on and you'll be on much more in the future and also we have Presswitch Blue Colin Savage Colin thank you so much for coming on oh it's been a pleasure I really enjoy this um, this particular podcast it's been great to be on with uh, Ray and Andy and I think we've um, done a good job yeah the lads are all in the house so guys we're going to have to leave it there and we'll be back with you after the next game so until then as we always say have one and us and up the blues
Manchester City are still alive here. 